The name of this sermon tonight is called Why Worry? Ask your neighbor right now, look into their little eyes with your little prophetic eyes and look at them and say, why worry? No, 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 no. You got to go with me. Why worry? Why worry? Stand up for the reading of the word right now. Matthew 6, 25. We're going to read it together on the count of three. You ready? You ready? One, two, three. Therefore, I say to you, do not stop. What does that say? One more time. Let's say it. Let's start right there with do. Here we go. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, eat or drink, nor about your body. Amen. Don't worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. Say that with me. Do not worry. One more time. Do not worry. One more time. One more worry. You can be seated. Jesus says this not just 2,000 years ago. Guess what? He says it right now, tonight, in this place, in your life, in your circumstance, in your worry wart heart, he wants to speak this word to you right now in this very moment. Do not worry. Ask another neighbor, why worry? I'm going to read a little bit more about that. But he challenges, don't worry about stuff. Don't worry about your stuff. Whatever your stuff is tonight, and I'm telling you, this is a very challenging message to me because I'm really challenged in this area. Do not worry. Many years ago, I taught a class that was called Overcoming Anxiety and Depression, and a lady named Sue Club helped put this class together, and I taught it, and we worked on this because she had struggled with anxiety we had no idea who was going to show up for a class here. We're going to put this class together. We're going to let the church know. I think we even put it in the newspapers like we have no idea who's going to come. I mean, does people sitting in church deal with anxiety and worry and depression? And, and all of a sudden it was the night of the class. A hundred and three people came to the class. A hundred and three people. Why do you say that tonight? Because I'm telling you, there may be 103 people in here tonight that is struggling with worry and stress and depression, panic attacks, concerns. Jesus says to you tonight, do not worry. And another thing that I want to say to you is that why would I bring up a class in 103 people? Because you need to know tonight that you are not alone at all in this area of worry, of anxiety, of at times depression. The Bible says anxiety in the heart of man brings on depression. So usually if a person's struggling with worry and anxiety, he deals with depression at some points because you kind of hit the wall. 
And so I want to talk to you about this tonight. Do not worry about your stuff. I'm going to continue reading it. If you have your Bibles, look at verse 26 through 32. I'm going to read it for a minute, and then I'm going to jump around and, and hit some more because what I want you to walk out of here tonight is with this in your heart and in your guts and right there on the end of your tongue that you can tell the devil and all the stuff around you, do not worry. Let's read on, verse 26. Look at the bird. This is code red in living color. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither uh, sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And I'm going to tell you, absolutely, you're more valuable than any birds. goes on to say, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to your statue? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the valley, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like uh, one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, sometimes we have a faith issue in this area of worry, and I join with you in it. God, I believe, help my unbelief. Amen. Therefore, look, look, look what it says. Therefore, do not, you got to go with me tonight. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all, all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He knows all that you need. Say it with me again, do not worry. Let me define worry for you. Here's like the clinical or the dictionary definition. Then I'm going to give you J-O definition. Okay, is that good? Here's a, a good definition. Give way to anxiety or unease. One's mind dwell on difficulties or troubles. Did you get that? Let me, let me repeat it. Give way to anxiety or unease. One's mind dwell on difficult or troubles. Has anyone in the room ever worried before? If you've worried before, just raise your hand. Just leave it up for a minute. I got to feel this. I got to see. It's pretty much, I, I think that's about 100%, unless I'm missing some or close to it. Uh, so we've all dealt with worry. We've all dealt with giveaway to anxiety, unease. Uh, we've all dealt with one mind set on difficulties or troubles. And now I'm going to give you my definition of worry. Here we go. You think about something. Now, how many of you know that thinking about something is not worry, right? You can think about something and not worry, but I'm not going to stop with just you thinking about something. But if you think and think and think, and all of a sudden your neck gets red and it gets splotchy, and all of a sudden your heart beats faster, and you get weird feeling, and adrenaline is released, and you get compulsively trapped in your, and you think and you think, and you think, and I want to let you know right now, when you get to that point right there, you ain't thinking no more. You are now worrying. Are you with me? Okay. So it could have a hundred other different manifestations around it of how you may feel. But nevertheless, you now have stepped over 
from the barrier of thinking to this place called worry or anxiety. Let me, let me give you some more scriptures around this. I'm going to read them real quickly. Uh, I'm going to, I will shoot out the address, uh, but I, I want you to just listen to it here. You can write down the addresses if you want to, but just listen. You'll, you're going to find, you're going to find a thread in every one of these scriptures or close to a thread. Here we go. Matthew 10, 19. But when they deliver you up, do not worry. I, when I get to the do, I need everyone to cheer in with me, okay? You with me? Because I want you to walk out of this, this room tonight. And the next time that you're faced with worry, I want something to come right out of your heart. It's going to be the words of Jesus Christ. Do not worry. You would be amazed if you can get that out of your mouth. And not just sit there spinning in anxiety in your brain going, if you, can, if you can break the silence with God's word, do not worry. You'll be amazed of what, how that can even. Those three words can really change some things because they're, they're Jesus' words, okay? So, but when they deliver you up, do not worry. Awesome. About how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak, Mark 13, 11. But when they arrest, these are difficult situations, but when they arrest, let's take it to another level, when they arrest you and deliver you up do beforehand or premeditate what you will speak, whatever is given to you in that hour, speak that, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Luke 12, 11, listen to this. Now when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. Here we go, uh, Luke uh, 12, 22. Then he said to the disciples, therefore I say to you, do not thank you. All these, every time you say that, it's Jesus' words. It's God's words. About your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will put on it. Here we go, we're going to change it up just a little bit. But in the same spirit, Psalms 37, 1, do not fret. Say that with me. Do not fret because of evil doer, doers, nor be envious of workers of inequity. Right, that Psalms 37 is an amazing Psalms. You should read it. It's powerful. Psalms 37, 7, and 8. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospered in his way, because of man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger, forsake wrath, do not fret, it only causes harm. Do not fret, do not worry. Before Jesus, I mean Jesus was there, but before he walked on earth and died on the cross, in the Old Testament, do not fret, it only causes harm. I read do not fret or do not worry. Uh, eight or more times, I find that it's easier to read, it's easier to say than it is to do. But I tell you, I think if you listen tonight, you can put some things into practice that can change your life. I've lived my life in this area of dealing with anxiety and worry and different things for many, many years. I used to be completely handicapped by panic attack and anxiety Listen, I've learned some different things the Holy Spirit showed me throughout the years and through his words 
and I want to let you know that they absolutely work. So I want to talk to you about that tonight. Uh, why do we deal? Why is it easier said than done? Because we have a devil who's out to get us also, okay? He comes, let me tell you what he comes to do. It's very simple. He has a simple but powerful agenda, but you have authority over his power. His agenda is the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. How many of you have ever heard that before? That's absolutely the truth. If you think the devil wants to play patty cake with you and have a little joke and just a little party with you when you get to hell, I got news for you. It's none of that. He's no joke. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, what he can't, if he can't kill you, if he can't kill you physically, I want to let you know, he may not be able to kill you physically, but he will absolutely try to steal from you whatever he can. Can't kill you physically, but all of a sudden, let's see if we can steal their mind. If he has your mind, he has you. May not have your spirit. Born again, you're going to go to heaven. But if he gets your mind, he's going to get you. So he can't kill your faith, but let me tell you, he comes and he wants to destroy your joy. All of a sudden, you're alive. You're not fully alive because you can't spell joy any longer. Okay, So he can't come and kill your love for God, but he comes to absolutely steal and destroy your peace. So you got to understand that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and he wants to sow seeds of doubt all along the way because if he can get those seeds growing inside of you, here, here's some seeds. You know, hey, 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 if God is so good, why are you going through the things that you're going through right now? I mean, if he really loves you, if he really, really loves you, why have you been through those things that you've been going through? All these seeds and these seeds are lies from the enemy. And I tell you what, you, you got to be very careful with it. And I want to talk to you about that because I want to let you know the things that he tries to sow in our life are not the rest of John 10.10, 10, which the rest of John 10.10 10 says, I have come, cold red, in living color. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life. Say that with me, life. Jesus wants you not to be half dead, half alive. He wants you to be fully alive. He wants me to be fully alive, totally engaged in life. Come on, fully alive. No strongholds in our mind and in our heart, okay? He wants you to be fully alive. He comes to give you life and life more abundant. You believe that with me tonight? So I want to talk to you. What, where does worries, I think, come from? Where is the core? Re I want to give you three kind of roots. If you have a root and it's producing bad fruit in your life, guess what you have to do? You change the root. Guess what? It changes the fruit. All right? So if you got, you, you love Jesus, you worship, filled with the Holy Spirit, and water baptized, but you have some root issues, I want to talk about those root issues right now that I think because of Jesus Christ, they can all change. With man, it's impossible. With God, all things. Say that with me, all things. I don't care what medicine says, doctor says. I'm telling you right now, we live according to God's word. 
all things are possible with God. Okay, so the first one I want to talk to you about is what is the what's the raw root of this thing called worry or anxiety? Number one, born into sin. How many of you know that even though the beautiful little baby, man, 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 just precious, seven pounds, seven ounces, twenty-two pounds. I'm sorry, twenty-two inches, not twenty-two pounds. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> 22 inches. That little baby is still born into sin. How, how many of you know that? Did you know that? That little baby is born into sin. That's Bible. Psalms 51. If you don't believe it, read it. We choose to sin and we're born into sin. Why do you say that, J.O.? Because a lot of times when you're born into sin, you're bent a certain way. This thing called DNA. And sometimes we're bent. Some people are bent, have weaknesses that we're born right into. We're bent. Some people are more prone in this area of worry, an area of anxiety. Sometimes I think people are more prone in the area of, uh, of, of depression, Maybe a person all of a sudden, they've never had a panic attack, and they go through something. And for the first time, they experience a panic. I'm not talking about some people, I think, they throw panic attacks around because it's kind of a new word for some people. And they think because they get a little jittery, they panic attack. They're like, ah, panic attack. A true panic attack is like living hell. And so people are faced with that for the first time. And something's happened in their brain, their mind, and they go over into this panic attack mode. Well, I think a lot of it has to do because we're bent a certain way from the womb. All of a sudden, DNA, sometimes, if you look at a golden retriever dog, if you look at a golden retriever dog in America, there's not a lot of difference between a golden retriever dog in America or if one's in Germany or ones in Australia, or ones in Africa. Why? Because of DNA. So a lot of times we have this DNA issue that's been transferred down from our parents, whatever, and we have this bent, we have this weakness. Let me tell you the good news. No matter if, say, you're, say for a minute your mother and your dad dealt with anxiety, worry, depression, panic attack, because of Jesus, say that with me, because of Jesus, it all changes. Let me, let me give you great hope today. Because of Jesus, because of his death, because of his life, because that he shed his blood, because he rose from the dead. Because when a person is born again, they are new creations in Christ Jesus. Come on. Listen, you may be bent a certain way, but you don't have to stay a certain way. Because Jesus is able to come and straighten out every crooked path in your life. I don't care how jacked up you was. I was jacked up. Perfect now? No. But I'm not what I was. December the 7th, 1986, just a couple of days ago, I celebrated 30, 32 years with Christ. I'm not like I was 32 years ago. So I want to give you great hope you don't have to live the way that you've been bent in the past, or you follow me. That's the first one. i got to move on. Number two, somebody say control. control. Maybe many things 
have been out of your control in life. And because they were out of your control, they created massive pain in your life, major pain because things were out of your control. Now you feel like you got to control everything. It's like, man, I can never deal with that pain again. I must control the situation. I've got to do whatever I can do in order to control the situation. And, you, you know, you may have been called a control freak. I don't know. Here's my point. Most things, hear me out the truth, most things you really can't control. So you need to get over it. Because the control issue is what keeps you anxious. You need, to, you need to honestly live out of control. Say that with me, out of control. I'm not talking about, not, I'm not talking about like living all like crazy, free for all. I'm talking about living a life out of control because at the end of the day, you really want to control everything because of the pain and the suffering you've been through. That person did this to you. Your, your child didn't go, didn't go this way. And all of a sudden, everything's a control issue with you. But I want to let you know right now, the more that you can live out of control, the happier that you will be. Because at the end of the day, you really don't have a whole lot of control. You control very, 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 very little. Let me echo a scripture we just read. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? By your worry, all of a sudden, you're on the airplane. And I've, I've been on the worst flight of my life going to Hawaii. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. If worrying could have kept that airplane in the sky, then I had it like at 50,000 feet because this jet was jacked up. People beside me, they're like, man, if they never had a prayer life before, no, I'm serious. Hey, Ray Dean, this is no joke. I've been on some, I've been on quite a few airplanes. I had never been on this one like going to Hawaii at nighttime. You know how sometimes you're on the airplane, you get a few minutes of this? I'm talking about solid, terrible air flight for a long time. People were like, it's over. This is, I, I know what people are thinking because I'm thinking, I don't know how much those, those, those wings can take. But you know what? All the worry that we put into that and just all the control freakness that came out of us had nothing to do with that, that airplane staying in the sky. All your worry does not control anything. But this is what I will tell you. There are certain things that you can do that can help. Hear me on this. You need to get over the control stuff. I, I speak to myself tonight because I'm right in there. But there are certain things that you can do. Here's some things that you can do. You can pray. We're going to talk about that for a few minutes, but I'm dead serious about that. You can pray. You can live a life according to God's word. You can eat right, sleep right, 
rest right. You can take responsibility for your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual health. Come on, your physical health. There's certain things that you can do. There's certain things, many, many, many things are out of our control. But there's certain things that you can do. And I want to encourage you in that. Amen? So my third one, what's the raw, the raw I think the, one of the raw roots of, 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 of stress and worry. Number three, somebody say trauma. Trauma. I bet you right now, if we were really honest, and I asked you if you've been through trauma, been through devastating experience in your life. Some people would say yes, some people would say no, and some people would lie. Just because it could be so embarrassing, so sh much shame wrapped around it. But I'm going to tell you right now, I think trauma has a lot to do with worry and anxiety. And, and I tell you, Jim Ferguson right there, a great counselor, he probably could talk to you a whole lot. Jim, just raise that because somebody might need to talk to you tonight or they may need to talk to you in weeks to come. Something's happened along the way, maybe abused, maybe molested, maybe missing an action daddy, missing an action mom. Maybe you never heard, I love you, maybe a premature death in your family. That stuff really, it really is real. Abusive, verbal, emotional, brokenness, mental torment, all of a sudden you find a blockage or it's hard for you to trust God. It's hard for you to, I mean, you can sit and sing in church, Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so, but there's, there's something missing inside of you. There's a blockage, and I want to hit on that a little bit tonight. It may be hard for you, but I want to tell you, like I said earlier, all things are possible with God. So if you've been, maybe you have the worst traumatic event of anybody in this room I, I don't know maybe you're raped molested car wreck death I mean it just adds up I still have great hope for you because with Jesus he can come in and, and heal those areas the Holy Spirit can comfort you in those areas your mind can be transformed in those areas the mind used to be I used to think this about the brain that it it couldn't be changed that's all changed because the mind can be changed. You know why? Because the Bible has all, always said that. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. You renew your mind, and your mind can tell your brain what to do. So you don't have to stay stuck. No matter what your circumstance is, you don't have to stay stuck. So I want to give you tonight some keys to overcome worry and anxiety. Can I give you a few keys tonight? How many How many could use a key or two? And I, I, I want to give you real stuff that if you put into practice tonight, it will begin to change circumstances in your life. Real stuff. Here's the first one. This one is the most important. This is like a real important key. Number one, think about what you're thinking about. Think about what you're thinking about. You need to evaluate what you're thinking about. I can't help you with your thinking. I mean, I can help you and ch challenge you in what to do. But Jesus is not even going to take captive thoughts for you. You have to take responsibility 
with what you're thinking about. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You have to evaluate what you're thinking about. You have to think about what you're thinking about. If you think that you're not, that, that's not a big thing. You know, I can just think about whatever, I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, your thoughts can absolutely so impact your life. And we're going to dive into that, and I'm going to show you right now. If you look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, it's going to be behind me, I think. We're going to look at this, this section of Scripture. Say this with me, though, because I want you to walk out of this. You're going to be responsible for this for the rest of your life. Say this with me. Think about what I'm thinking about. You, you, you have to. Now, you don't got to. I would like you to because it's going to change your life. Think about what you're thinking about. Here we go. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war. Say that with me, war. I'm going to tell you right now, there is a war for the six, eight inches between your ears, your mind, your brain. There is a war. The war zone is not in another country. It's not in America. The war zone is in your brain, in your mind. There is a war. There is a war for your mind. If there is a bullseye in hell, the bullseye, the target is your mind. The devil knows it, and he's all about coming. Like I said, he might not be able to physically kill you, but I tell you what, he wants to steal your mind. There is a bullseye. You ever heard of this thing called fiery darts? I'm telling you, he's wide open shooting fiery darts into your mind. Let me read on. There's a war. Uh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our war are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Say that with me, strongholds. Strongholds, simply put, is all of a sudden you had a traumatic event, and in that traumatic event, you did not respond correctly. And all of a sudden, you didn't respond to the grace of God. All of a sudden, you decided, I'm going to kill somebody, or I hate God, or all those different things. And before you know, there's a stronghold set up in your mind. A stronghold is a house of thoughts. You have a hundred wrong, a thousand wrong thoughts a certain way, and there's a house, and the enemy lives in that house, and all of a sudden, through weak moments of your life, the enemy ambushes you, and you're like, why does that always happen to me? Why do I always do that? You could be dealing with a stronghold. Guess what? God wants to demolish strongholds tonight. Casting down arguments. Should I do this or should I do this? Should I do this or should I do this? Uh, should, I do, should I do crack heroin? Somebody, somebody say arguments. I'm talking about arguments inside of you. Casting down arguments, every high thing. What's a high thing? Anything that would exalt his name above Jesus Christ. Anything in your life that tries to exalt it above Jesus Christ, an exalted thing, a high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, look at this, bringing every thought. Say that with me, every thought. Every? I mean, J.O., can I have like 50-50? How about 70-30? How about 1 out of 10? How about 9 out? I'm telling you what the Bible says. Is it easy? No. 
But I think we can do it. I think we should start working toward it instead of letting anything come into our mind. A bird may land on your head, but it doesn't mean that you have to allow it to build a nest. A thought in itself is not sinful. But all of a sudden, you allow a nest. Now you got little birdies up there. Now you got a birdhouse. And now every eagle in the mountains coming on your head. Listen. You have to be willing to deal with those thoughts. Everyone say with me every thought. Into captivity. Into the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Cap say that with me, word captivity. A part of that Greek word comes from the thought of a prisoner of war. A prisoner of war. So you want to take a thought as in a prisoner of war. Now let me tell you what will happen to you if you don't start bringing thoughts into captivity. If you don't take the thoughts into captivity, you know what's going to happen? Your thoughts will take you into captivity. Prisoner of war. You can either bring those thoughts in prisoner of war or you become a prisoner of war through your thoughts. I'm not talking about salvation. Jesus loves you. I'm talking about things that we have to work out in our own being, in our own thinking. So put it like this. If you don't take your thoughts into captivity, your thoughts can take you into captivity. When you say bring every thought into captivity, I think you should look at a thought. It's like, where did that thought come from? Say this with me, interrogation. It's like you might need to set that thought down and interrogate it a little bit. Okay? And just like, no, this is not of God. I'm, gonna, you know, I'm casting you down. I'm going to put you're a prisoner in war. You're not going to be, no, I'm not going to give place to this. It's not, it's a high thing. It's exalting itself above God. No, this is wrong thinking. And I'm going to tell you, you know what wrong thoughts do? They gather other wrong thoughts. Don't go down, don't follow that thought. If that thought is not easy and peaceable, easy to intrigue, don't follow that thought because that thought, you follow that thought, guess what? All it does is gather all a bunch of, a bunch of crazy, weird, ungodly thoughts, wrong thinking. Say this with me, stinking thinking. Reeks. Re between your ear, reeks. If you're not careful, it doesn't have to, but it can. You with me tonight? So for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The heart, if you look that heart up, it's like heart, mind, soul. It's like, wow, it's, it's pretty complex, but I think we can gather that. The devil is after your mind. I'm going to tell you that tonight, and you need to be aware of that. There was a, a saying in 1972. I'm from the South, so it was, real, it was real popular in the South. And the saying was, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. How many of y'all remember that? It was a humongous, a mind, 1972. Some of you are like, I wasn't even born, man. How many of you remember a mind is a terrible thing to waste? If you most of you are older. Hallelujah. Wow. 
That's all right. It was, all, it, was a, it was like a fundraiser kind of promo for the United Negro College Front Fund, and they raised, they raised like over $3 billion by being part of the campaign. But I started thinking about that, and really a mind is a terrible, a, a terrible thing to waste. And so say this with me, focus. You can begin to focus your thoughts. T.D. Jakes said something so powerful. Focus on purpose instead of person. Okay, let's go back to the first verse that, I, that we read together. Don't worry about what you drink, what you wear, what you eat. You know what that's a, the focus is on? It's focused on the person. And T.D. Jakes is like, don't focus on the per- person. Focus on the purpose. So when you have, we, we are all called, every one of us in this room has a purpose. Man, you have a God-given destiny. I'm sorry if you don't know what it is yet. I'm here to try to help you find that. I want to do my best to, to, to help you find that if you're not walking in it. But I want to let you know there's one for you. And when you start putting your mind focused on the purpose and not the person, I'm going to tell you right now, when I can focus my mind on the pers- purpose instead of the person, my life absolutely changes. Do you ever get off track, J.O.? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I have to, God help me. I, I want to get back on purpose and not person. Because that purpose track, well, you, you'll be the most blessed that you can ever even imagine. Ben Taves was talking about in pre-service prayer, him and, him and his kids and family has been, been uh, volunteering out at Father's Market. And he was talking about the people they got to help, but those serving, how blessed the folks out there serving really are. Why? Because it's purpose-driven instead of purpose-driven. Are, are you following me tonight? So, so don't worry about the Bible. You know how the Bible tells us how to think? Let me read this. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Say that with me, true. The very first thing that Paul tells you to think about is things that are true. Why true? Because the devil's a liar. He wants you to think about Whatever things are true, I learned that from my wife. She challenged me. Hey, true's number one because the devil's a liar. God wants you to focus on whatever is true. And it goes on to say whatever is noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there's any virtue, uh, and if there's any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You should be more concerned about what you think about yourself than what others think about you. T.D. Jakes. We are so concerned about what is Jess going to think about? What's Tover going to forget about whatever everyone else is thinking about you? You need to be concerned about what you think about you. Connor, that's okay, man. I still love you. Say this with me. I heard his phone. That's, that's fine. Everyone say this with me, dry places. Listen to this very, very, very powerful scripture. I'm running out of time. I'm not getting into this. That's okay. Matthew 12, 43. Listen to this real close. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, 
he goes through dry places. An unclean spirit comes out of a man. That unclean spirit goes through dry places. You following me? And it says this, seeking rest and finds none. What does that unclean spirit do? It goes back to where it came from, takes seven more powerful devils from hell to try to possess the individual. Everyone say dry places. Why do you say dry places? Because you need to be careful not to have dry places in your heart and in your mind. How, how do you over, how, I'm going to tell you, you saturate your heart and your mind with God's word. That, that let the word of God saturate, washing her with the water of the word. You need to saturate, saturate your mind. I can't do all of these things for you, nor can anybody else do these for you. You have to make a decision. I'm not going to have dry places. There's not going to be any Ezekiel bones up in this place. I'm going to saturate my heart. Everyone say saturate. Let me, let me hit these real fast. Another thing that's real important, your mind, thinking about what you think about, number two is your belief. Say that with me, belief. What's so vital is what you believe. Probably the the most important belief is what you believe or how you believe or how you view God. That belief is so, if you, you, you have to believe, if you don't, God wants to straighten that out. It's so important that you have a right belief in God the Father. If not, you can love Jesus and be totally sideways. I know that I'm a masterpiece of the Father. Do you? I know that I'm a son of the Father. I know that I'm accepted. I know that I'm loved. I'm a beloved. I I know that I, 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 I know that I'm forgiven. I know these are important, vital things, Christianity 101. You have to be convinced in your belief system in the Father. Your your how how do you view the Father? This is so important. When it comes to you not worrying and anxiety, panic, and depression. Because when you have a real good, clear view of the Father, you know that he's going to take care of you. You know that he turns everything for the good. Are you with me tonight? Are you still with me? How do you, what do you base your belief on? You base it on God's word. Number three, everyone say bold confession. It's important that you have a bold confession. You know what's more powerful than a positive confession? Is a bold confession based on God's word. If you have a positive confession, but it's not backed by anything, then how positive it really is. You could walk around all day going, and go, oh, I'm a nice person. I'm a nice person. I'm, I'm going to have a happy day. I'm going to have a, who cares? What's it backed on? I tell you what, I had some friends back in the day that I wanted those friends with me if I got in trouble. You know why? Because they had my back. You want your bold confession out of your heart, the words out of your mouth. You want it to be based on God's word. We sing this song. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, oh my soul. Say that with me. Bless the Lord, oh 
my soul. Oh, oh. you know what that's based on? God's word. You know what David was doing? David was talking to himself. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Don't forget all of his benefits. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, who forgives all my, my sins, who, who heals me. He, he, he heals all my diseases. He had a powerful, bold declaration, and it was all based on God's word. I've had you throughout the night go, do not worry. Do not, say that with me, do not worry. Do not worry. Say it with me. Some of it's hard for you to say right now in church. Say it with me again. Do not worry. Say it with me again. Do not worry. Next time you worry, you know what you should say? Do not worry. I was walking my dog the other day. The goal is to walk my dog. He walk and I pray. That doesn't always happen. I have to clean up behind him and stuff like that right there. But all of a sudden, I'm walking him, and I begin to slip from a good thinking into a worry. And I'm like, wait, it's so easy. Just slip right in. But if you can break that slip up and go, do not worry. Do not worry. Everyone say, be anxious for nothing. See, I shout at you because my concern is that you'll walk out of here, slip into worry, and your mind will be, and I still can't get, do not worry out of your mouth. But you would be amazed if you get God's word out of your mouth, into your ears, down into your heart, busting up a stronghold inside of you, demolishing a stronghold inside of you, how it can make a difference in your life. I'll finish with this. Number four, I said it before, but this is true. Proper rest, proper sleep, proper nutrition, work out. Ask my wife, I'm going to work out. I'm going to work out. I eat a lot better than I used to. If your eating habit is like Elf, <laughs> what's the three main eating groups? Four. Candy, candy cane, candy corn, and syrup. If that's you, I got news for you. If you're 18, 15, you're going to have to change that. Now, I'm, I'm kind of playing, but I, I'm really not playing. Because it's going to mess with you. You need to eat right. You need to rest right. You need to sleep right. I separate rest and sleep because they're two different things. Sleep good, but rest good. Eat right, nutrition, workout. Workout jail, I say, hey, Paul, you know, there's not a lot of talk about working out in the Bible. You know why? Because these brothers walked everywhere. They just walk. Let's walk 12 miles in the next town. You walk 12 steps to the fridge. You're going to walk 22 steps to get in your car. Elevator. Escalator. Escalator. That works too. Escalate it. Let me finish with this one. Say this with me, antidote. There's an antidote. An antidote is a medicine given uh, to, to counteract poison, right? There is an antidote that is very, very real when it comes to worry, anxiety, depression. And it's called, here's the antidote, prayer. Ah, he's talking about prayer again, all up in church, talking about prayer. We heard about prayer. We know about prayer, J.L. We pray. 
It's the antidote for worry. I'm not talking about just a little sketchy prayer. Not that any prayer is sketchy. I shouldn't say that. Just like, thank you, Jesus. But when you can get in the Father's lap and really connect in the Father's, I'm telling you, prayer is the antidote. Listen to me. Believe me. Trust me. Prayer is the antidote. Here we go. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for one thing. Nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And look what takes place. And the peace of God, come on, which surpasses all understanding, will guard. It's like military, like guard your hearts and your through Christ Jesus. When Jesus had the most challenging moment of his life, you don't think Jesus stressed out? I got news for you. Jesus got stressed. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's in the garden. He's got his disciples, few of his disciples with him. Hey, watch with me an hour. Won't you watch with me an hour? It says this. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Let me tell you what Jesus does in the toughest moment of his life. You know what he does? He prays. He prays. How long did he pray? I don't know. We talked about it at man. In our, our, our group this week, Dwayne said, what if he prayed an hour each time? Disciples are snoring, you know, they're sleeping and just, what if he prayed an hour each time? But this is what he did in those tough moments. He prayed. Seek Jesus. Let me make it real clear. Not the stuff. Jesus gives us lots of stuff. He really does. Clothes, cars, hobbies. But if you seek those things, they'll stress you out. Pittsburgh Steelers stressed me out the other night. I know, Why you say that? Because I didn't have I didn't have things right. It's like, okay, it's just a game. But it can be anything. What is it in your life? Seek first the kingdom of God. But that can sound very spiritual. But let's make it very real. If it's a relationship you seek first or a job you seek, education you seek first, if, it, if, it's, a, if it's money you seek first, if it's food, clothing, if it's stuff, it'll stress you out. He gives you stuff to bless you, not to stress you out. Seek him first, amen.